Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, 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 my friends. Welcome back to our final episode in this LGBTQ plus series. I can't believe we've made it this far. I seriously cannot believe we've made it this far. You guys, I have been praying over doing this series for so long. And then we've been prepping for these interviews and researching for all these conversations for about six months before this series even started. And so I'm just so excited to see all of this out in the world. And I'm honestly bittersweet thinking about this series coming to an end. Today, we're talking to an amazing woman, Kat LaPrairie, and we are discussing gender dysphoria, trans stereotypes, and what the church can do. Kat is an incredible woman who identifies as trans and is living a beautifully faithful Christian life. She is powerful and rich, and her story is indicative of all of that, which is why I'm so excited for you to hear all of her story today. Kat has found identifying as transgender to be helpful in describing how they see and experience the world. Kat's story of redemption and identity questions have culminated in seeking an overarching question. What does finding identity in Christ look like? Kat is passionate about people, the gospel, and finding ways to better articulate God's radical love for all people. Kat obtained a master's degree in higher education from Grand Valley State University. Kat has worked alongside Dr. Preston Sprinkles Ministry as a guest speaker and partner. And Kat currently lives and works in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I love how so many of the guests on the series are connected. Last week, we had Preston Sprinkle. If you haven't listened to it, that great introduction episode to the transgender conversation. And now today, the incredible Kat LaPrairie shares her story of being a trans woman in the church and what that's looked like for her. And as we get into this discussion, I really want to encourage you to share this series with a friend. It doesn't even have to be a single friend, you guys. It can be a pastor friend, a fellow leader, anyone who really needs more information on the LGBTQ plus community. We really need to spread the word on these subjects. We need to have more dialogues. So even though today is the last episode in this series, you guys, the conversation doesn't have to stop here. I want to encourage you, be bold and brave. Open your heart and your minds and have conversations filled with empathy and compassion. Ask questions to things you don't understand and seek to not make judgments over things that are foreign to you. I'm so grateful we've been on this journey together. We've received so many testimonials of how the series has touched you, impacted you, and how it's really challenged you and all of your thought processes. And that's really all we could ask for. To God be the glory. I'm so grateful you tuned in for this entire series. Without further ado, this incredible last episode of the series featuring Kat LaPrairie. Oh my gosh, we have Kat LaPrairie today on the podcast. Hey, Kat, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? 
<laughs> I'm doing well. I had to say this. I have a lot of cats in my life and I, I love the name cat. Also, I sometimes get confused. People say, because my name is spelled K-A-I-T, uh, people often call me cat. So <laughs> by accident, you know, when they yeah. see my name somewhere, they're like, hey, cat. I'm like, that's not my name, but I love the name cat. So just want to say that. Hey, cat. I love it. I'm hey, just happy hey. to have you yeah, here. Thank you. Man, I thank you for blessing us with your time today and your story. You are in an awesome and busy season. I'm really grateful for how God weaved our past together and just the conversations we've had even leading up to today's conversation. I've just been really, really looking forward to it. And so we are in the midst of our series um, covering the LGBTQ plus issues and, and really diving into that conversation. Specifically today, we're going to be talking, as you know, about gender dysphoria, trans stereotypes, and really what the church can do in this area and how we as the people and the body of Christ can just better seek to understand things that we don't understand in terms of the trans community. And so we previously had the incredible Preston Sprinkle on the podcast and kind of broke down some things that he wrote about in his book, Embodied. And something I really learned in reading that book and just speaking with him is well, a lot. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot I learned, let me be honest, <laughs> and, and really amazing ways that I was challenged. But one thing that stuck with me in which he said is, when you've met one transgender person, you've met one transgender person. And that we often uh, like to just kind of slap on our thoughts and our judgments even towards something we don't understand, but that especially when it comes to the trans community, that there is so much there and it's so nuanced and it can mean different things for each person. And so Kat, I would love to, to know how you identify and to also know just a little bit of your story and then we can go from there. Yeah. So, so glad to, to be here and just, um, the opportunity to share my story and, and just see through, uh, see Jesus through it. I identify as transgender. And so what I mean by that is just that I have a disconnection from my internal self of like how I see myself um, in my biology. Um, so I was born female, but I always kind of resonated with maleness or masculinity and never really felt truly, I guess, female as maybe the world or culture has kind of shifted us to to look at women and, and femininity. So my pronouns, yeah, so my pronouns are, are she, her. There was a, you know, a little bit of a, a season and certainly a journey with that, but this is kind of like where I've landed. Um, mm. Yeah, so when Kate is using she, her, that's totally great, um, fine. But that is, um, the pronouns, you know, are certainly a part of this conversation and they used to be very uh, triggering for me. Um, so I'm at that place now and maybe we'll get to kind of how I, how I got to be there. But um, yeah, so I was born and raised in a Christian home, uh, mm -hmm. went to church from a very young age, uh, you know, every Sunday. Also like growing up in the purity movement. So like when I kind of got to middle school age and um, when I'm, you know, church was kind of a dread for me a bit because I had to wear dresses usually. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of this, mm -hmm. this idea that we dress up for God, we dress up, dress up for Jesus. And so um, not really being able to express my, my unique individuality at church specifically. Now outside of church, like I was pretty, um, 
you know, allowed to kind of wear whatever I wanted um, and given a lot of freedom there. But when church kind of came, it was like this uh, kind of like almost oppressive type of state of like where I'm getting into a dress and we're going to church. So anyway, purity movement um, and talking about the differences of femininity and masculinity. And so we're in these kind of like small groups and of course segregated. And we're talking about what it's, what it is to be a woman of God, to um, have godly femininity. And that's when I think some things started to falter, like of knowing that I didn't really belong or didn't really fit the mold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're talking about modesty, which I was fine there. I'm like one piece right. bathing suit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> the modest like, can I wear a t-shirt yeah. actually? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, you were I like, no problem with that. Meanwhile, I'm like, what do you mean we have to wear what personally, you know, but I love. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was fine. But when it came to, um, yeah, just like how we viewed boys or dating or, um, just this view of femininity and really talking about that word. So now what we didn't do, right? Like in, in church is we didn't parse out what is godly femininity and what's the world's definition of femininity. Ooh, and so yeah. what happens is like everything just got enmeshed and everything was just like, you really couldn't pick out what part is the godly feminine. So I'm going to, you know, like nails painted, uh, wearing dresses and excited to wear them um, certain events that I can like dress up and, and express my femininity, express basically how God made me. And I had no desire to do any of that. So I internalized that and kind of, you know, cause like that wasn't, I seem to be the only one struggling with that, uh, at my, at my church. And so that wasn't like something that I, I talked about. I internalized it. And actually I came away with, because I'm not living into or flourishing in what I think people are meaning of godly femininity, God must be displeased with me. Mm. And so I walked away saying to myself, like, you're not who God has wanted you to be. Yeah. So that was, that was a really tough one, but I guess like in the middle school, high school age, there's tons of other things to be thinking about. So I wasn't really um, processing that necessarily, but that was just the general feel that I felt. So when it kind of came to me at 18, the gender part, I think, was was is definitely the part that that um, rubbed up against culture and and the friction of uh, especially church culture, yeah. but then later sexuality. So um, I'm also same sex attracted. I'm attracted to women, and so when that kind of a relationship uh, kind of presented itself when I went off to college at 18, um, I jumped at it, and you know found myself in this this relationship with another woman and really being able to express and live out myself without any boundaries or without any parameters. And so I just kind of dove into that relationship and dove in also to how I wanted to express myself. So I cut off my hair, you know, I like threw out all of my girl clothes and, and completely kind of changed my wardrobe. And so um, at that point in time, I really only had language for being gay or being a lesbian but to be honest, like even the word lesbian was way too feminine of a word for me, because when you mm, think of a lesbian, wow. you think of two women together. And I did not feel like a woman. And so I would always say that I was gay. So when I came out, it really wasn't from, you know, growing up in the church, it was like, not like a thing. You can't be gay and be a Christian. You have to choose. And so to me, I was like, well, easy. 
if he's not really going to care about my feelings and my heart and the fact that I feel this way, now how I'm getting there is because of nobody in the church really talking about it. Nobody giving like really, you know, right. Yeah. Like other than, I mean, you gave the picketers, you know, the picketers of like God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That type of stuff. I knew that my church, I know, uh, I knew (laughs) that my church didn't necessarily, (laughs) yeah, like get on board with that level, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know which or how much we disagreed with that stance, you know, because we didn't talk about it. It was like, how much do we disagree? And because also I would imagine because some of those, like some of the things in terms of modesty and, and gender were kind of how it was presented. This is the female. It already made you dissociate, like feel disconnected a little bit. Like, am I accepted here? Does any, would anybody understand what I'm going through? If they, do they really know, you know? So I can imagine that some of those seeds of like, God doesn't really love me. The church doesn't understand me is already starting earlier. And then when you're 18, you're like, well, this doesn't seem like, you know what? I'm going to just do my own thing right now because it doesn't seem that I'll be accepted here. Right. And I thought I was the only one in the world who felt male and who was also attracted to women. I thought it was the only one in the world. Yeah. So certainly felt that way and, and felt like this feeling that if the church doesn't care, therefore God probably doesn't care and just wants me to, you know, hit me on the wrist and say, obey. So. Yeah. So I, I kind of went into a 10 year serial dating season, I guess, yeah, um, where I just yeah. was, I was dating back to back to back. Usually always have like kind of something like available, you know, as I'm getting out of one relationship into another. And so just really dysfunctional and really unhealthy, not to mention like this, this feeling of just this cloud. Cause again, I still didn't have language for this gender piece. Right. Um, so I came yeah. out at 18 as gay. It wasn't until 27 that I came out as trans. So this whole time, I'm just like not knowing what to do with this gender piece. I got into a relationship and, and her and I were together for three and a half years. And I was starting to think about like, whoa, we, okay, we've been together a long time, like marriage and possibly children and things like that. So um, I posed a question to her if she would be willing to go back to um, or go to church with me. And so. Um, she actually, she, she said, yeah, like that would be fine. During this time, were, were you going to church or how, what was that looking like for you in this like nine, oh, goodness. space? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really, um, again, because of the choice, I was like, okay, I'm either choosing to be a Christian or I'm choosing yeah. to be gay. It's so interesting. Like when I would hear people like say the, the whole debate about like being gay is a choice. I didn't have any more of a choice than my mom and dad did about being straight. So that's kind of how I like looked at it. The, the choice part is the action of like, right. yeah, sure, I chose yes. to act on it, but I didn't choose the attractions. It's fascinating. And and I uh, completely, in all of our conversations I've had with other people, many of whom you know, is like the same thing comes mm-hmm. up. So yeah, I like left the church and was just done. So I, and, and because of that, like, again, the choice of cutting off God, I just had a cold heart. You know, I had all of these things built up in me of like, you know, I was raised uh, Baptists. And so like stereotypically more strict, more about rules and more about like following and and being under the authority of God. And so, um, which I'm down with all of that, but it just was for how I'm wired. It was not taking into consideration my feelings. And so I felt therefore God didn't care about any of my feelings. He cared more about 
performing or quote unquote doing the right thing. So that's kind of where I was at. I was super cold. And so when her and I walked into this church, this actually, it was a mega church because I so didn't want to be singled out or like, you know, really a smaller church mingling. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of daunting, but, um, yeah, we would, I would sometimes be able to stand during worship, but a lot of the times not, I certainly wasn't able to sing, but on one particular Sunday, um, I was standing up. I was like, all right, you're at church, make an effort. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I stood up as the, as the band was changing from a different to a different song. And the song that had played next was no longer slaves. And so, um, I was getting hit with how much fear I was living in and God was calling it out, but also not just calling it out and like laughing and saying like, look, there's all your fear, but saying, I want to break those chains. Mm. I want to be here for you, with you. And that was like, whoa, what's happening? And in that moment, I really, um, I got a much clearer picture of what was going on internally within myself and the fear of public restrooms came to mind. And it was like, not just your discomfort for them. Like who likes public bathrooms? Like no one. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a fear of going into the women's restroom and the fear is, is, you know, uh, springing from the fact that I don't and didn't certainly then um, appear feminine or woman at all. So going into a women's restroom, I'm just trying to go to the place that I've always gone to, you know, having the privacy that, you know, like that's why we have gendered uh, bathrooms is, is for um, anatomical privacy. And so trying to walk into a woman's restroom was always uh, terrifying for me. And it's just, it was kind of like odd um, that it took me till 27 to actually figure out that I was afraid of that. So that specifically kind of came to mind, but just the Holy Spirit, I mean, a more overarching of like the Holy Spirit moving and saying, and so I, I broke down in that moment. I just started crying and I was so buttoned up of like, you're tough, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, you you're have fine. to be, you get, you're handling this. You're good. No emotions. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I had just like, you know, propped myself up in this way because like coming out at 18, not easy to, to, in a Christian home. Um, it, certainly having the gender piece and feeling like I'm just so not in line with myself was another thing. And so to, I had to create a persona that I was tough and then to be breaking down in a church was just kind of wild to me. So I shrugged it off. <laughs> I'm like, you're fine. So, you know, but I felt like I wanted a, um, a more intimate experience with church. So I went to, um, my cousin had a church that he was attending. And so I asked to go to with him and, um, attended for a while and was getting the same breaking down of my soul. So I started going there. My girlfriend and I of three and a half years, we broke up. It just, it wasn't like anything saying, okay, now that you're going to church, you must break up with your girlfriend. It just didn't work out. I was still like, no, 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 this is mine. Like having a dating relationship is still mine to have. So I wasn't willing to just give that up. So anyway, her and I broke up and 
I immediately got back into another relationship and so started attending this church. And, um, one day this woman came up to me and she, uh, had said, you know, Hey, sometimes I notice you come in late. Sometimes you don't have somebody to sit with. And I just want you to know that, um, you're always welcome to sit with me and my family. And she had like two little daughters at the time and her husband. And, um, I kind of did like an internal eye roll of like, okay, good job, Christian. Like you invited somebody that you didn't know and, <laughs> um, to sit with you. <laughs> and I probably won't take you up on it now. Cause that would be awkward. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just she, trying to be not she... <laughs> noticed. So you could just leave me alone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was, you know, I, I did recognize the courage that it would take to go over to someone that you don't know and just generate a conversation out of thin air. And so she, she asked me what I did and I told her, um, and I was like, you should, you're at church, make an effort. So, um, ask her what she does. And so I did. (laughs) And she said, (laughs) well, so her response was that she's like, well, my husband and I, we started a ministry and we're working to bridge the gap between the LGBT community and the church. And I'm getting goosebumps right now (laughs) because that moment I felt so loved by God because she had no idea what had been going on behind the scenes um, of that and how the Holy Spirit had been moving. But um, I felt seen and noticed by God that he would plant me in a place. I'm like, this doesn't happen. This is insane. Nobody yeah. is talking about this. Yeah, who, who's right? doing like, that ministry? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. And so, yeah. yeah, I just was completely wrecked. And um, so anyway, uh, I immediately forgot the woman's name and, mo- you know, moved on with my life and, and whatever. And uh, there was a time that I, uh, like four or five months later, I was going through um, a really, so gender dysphoria, like we haven't talked about yeah. it yet, but yes, yeah, we're going to get, yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Well, maybe you we're can start get there. sharing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it comes in waves. So this, yeah. so when I'm talking about the gender dysphoria, dysphoria is like the intense disconnect that, that someone maybe feels more intense at, uh, at some moments than others. And so for me, it's kind of, oh, it's always there. It's always present. But sometimes it really ramps up and it's, it's kind of hard to, to figure out, um, especially if you're not aware of like that it's happening. So this particular season, it was really ramping up and mm-hmm. I was feeling an extreme disconnect from being female. So how that manifests is like my clothing definitely becomes more masculine. I'm talking much, you know, I, I'm talking pretty feminine right now, actually. But so like my, my voice would go, you know, really like. I would try to mimic, yeah, just more masculine uh, type of banter or um, speech, like my tone and everything like that. So I'm getting hit with this wave and I was seeing a counselor um, at the, uh, at a secular university that I was um, attending slash working at. And the response from this, this counselor was, you let me know when you're ready to transition um, to male and we'll, I'll kind of like help that process or I like, I know people to get you connected with. And in that moment, I really felt uncared for because I was like, Oh, you just want to fix it. Like you see this problem and like this dysphoria, this disconnection, and you want to just fix it. You don't actually want to know why do I feel male? 
why do I feel these things? Or tell me about those feelings. I wanted somebody in the mess. Yeah. So that was kind of like one side of it, right? Like kind of the quote unquote world side of it. And then the other um, thing that I didn't know, I was just kind of like, I'm for the first time in my life, I'm caring what God thinks. And I want to lean into that. And so I reached out to that woman. Um, her name is Lori Krieg. And um, <gasps> we've also had on the podcast this yeah, series, Lori. which is so cool. I love this moment. Yes. I'm like, oh, yes, goodness. and it's Lori. I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was wonderful. True, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. She is. It was just such a wonderful thing of just how she was there. And so I reached out to her and I said, I'm tired of hearing what the world has said about my gender and what my, my family and, and, you know, the Christian church and all of these other things, like, what does God think of me and my gender? And she gave a great answer. She said, I don't know, but I'm willing to walk alongside of you while we figure that out together. So that was about three and a half years ago. Oh, I and, just got um, chills. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And we've just been walking that journey closely in the beginning. And, you know, as time has gone on, more community and more people and just just the church has come around, come around me, come around this this topic, but then also like beyond the topic. Um, right? Like so I'm I am a trans person, but there's so much more to me yes, than my gender yeah. dysphoria and that in in my quote unquote identifier. Which, you know, like I've I've found extremely helpful. The word trans being this wide open term gave me the freedom to just be like able to sit in it and just kind of piece out the things that I really liked about it. And that really made sense when it came to my um, my experience. All right, friends. So as a woman who's actually been abused and taken advantage of in the past, coupled with also being a woman who has lived in bigger cities, I always want to make sure that I feel safe wherever I go. Even now in Los Angeles, when I walk around my neighborhood, when I go run errands or venturing out into new areas of LA, I just always want to make sure that I feel safe. So I discovered this incredible brand made by women that is absolutely amazing. It's called Birdie. Birdie is a personal safety alarm that is easy to carry and simple to use. Seriously, I tried it and I love using it. It's so easy to use, you guys. When activated, the alarm will emit a loud siren and flashing light to help deter an attack. Birdie is no danger to you, so you can feel confident using it. And as a bonus, it comes in fun colors, so you'll actually want to carry it. I actually got a few to give to some of my friends because they make phenomenal gifts. With Birdie, you can keep doing what you love with added peace of mind. Before you leave the house, you do the checklist for your phone, your keys, and your wallet. And now it's time to add one more thing before you walk out the door. Birdie is the newest essential addition to your routine. Sometimes it's hard not to worry about the what ifs of life. What if I don't make it in time? What if I mess up? What if I feel like I'm in danger? If you don't want to worry when it comes to your safety, especially as a woman, you need Birdie. So how do you get it? You can visit She's Birdie, spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash heart. And by doing that, you'll get 15% off. That's She's Birdie dot com slash heart to get 15% off your order. 
I could not recommend it more, you guys. Please go check it out if you want to feel safe in your routine. I just love my birdie and I'm going to be giving them away to so many of my friends from here on out. I have a few questions coming to mind. I want to dive into gender dysphoria, but for a second, right before we do that, I also would love to know how God transitioned your heart from out of your relationship, you know, the and, and out of dating women to where you are now as well, because I think that's probably another piece in this story that I would I would just be really curious since we're on the topic of story, you know, how God worked on that within you as well, which I'm sure was really difficult. But could you just open a little bit of that up? And then I'd love to dive a little more into the gender dysphoria, which I think people are confused about, you know, so I'd love to get there mm-hmm. too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. So I had mentioned that I like started dating and so reached out to Lori and that's kind of all happening. Um, and so again, you, I mean, you kind of heard in my voice like this um, rigidity of that's mine, <laughs> not a great posture um, because it wasn't mine. My sexuality, my gender identity is not mine. We are, we were created by a a wonderful, um, crazy, awesome, powerful, kind God. And so to um, have that posture that that's mine, that's not a, that's a non-negotiable is an idol. That is, is taking the place of where Jesus should always be. I got into that relationship and about six months down the road, I hear a voice um, saying, you should be single. You should be single. Not stop dating women. (laughs) Never again. Stop doing what you're doing. I'm going to smite you. It was, will you just be single? And, um, I had, I had known that voice because of the years of 10 years of dating and going away from God. I had, I'd heard that voice before. And, um, I knew this time I should listen. I should just obey. It was not what I wanted to do. Um, at all. I knew that it would, it would 100% wreck, obviously the, the romantic relationship, but also the friendship, any type of like dropping in and saying like, Hey, I hope you're doing well. That would be gone if mm-hmm. I did this. And I was right. So I broke up with, with this woman and the amount of peace that I felt knowing that I was following and doing what the Holy spirit was asking me to do, which I believe was the Holy spirit. But again, it wasn't forever. So as I'm like walking along with Lori and others, I I basically kind of said, all right, God, here's the deal. You're on a trial run because there's no way that you're ever like, you're not going to be enough for um, this, this hole in my heart, you know, like you're not going to be able to fill that. But um, so I was like, I, I won't say forever, but I'm done for now. And what actually happened was he never stopped being enough. Mm. So it wasn't, there wasn't really a. I guess there probably was some some distinct moments of saying I'm not going back, but the trial run just never ran out and he's not he's still not on trial. Right? Like I'm not well maybe maybe later when he stopped. no, he's it's been three and a half years. Like he's just so good. And in a lot of those relationships, they were just kind of the same thing. You know, the same the same problems, the same emptiness that you know, there were different people but the there was just this repetitiveness to it that just was like this doesn't work. It can work, but it's not how I designed it to work. And if if you're going to believe me and you're going to trust me and you're, I'm going to be your god, well then I got to trust him that how he designed things, how he created things 
Yeah, he probably knows. He probably knows best how they function. Probably and does. You know, yeah, and good it's, chance. It's so it's, it's a good chance, but it's so hard. Like we can, it's it's like there is so much to that goes within that because, I mean, the church itself and culture. I mean, the culture, but then even the church itself really emphasizes marriage and babies and like epitomizes just love, you know, and, and we forget. And earlier in the season, we had an episode about breaking down the uh, breaking down love. And what does that really look like? And can we see love with our creator as the ultimate love versus how much we put romantic love on a pedestal, even where, when in this ministry and heart of dating, and there's so many singles that are single in their thirties and single, single later in life, or just wondering like, why the world has it not happened and we we almost think like we're promised that we absolutely will be married and be be in a relationship and have that but we aren't promised that either you know and so mm-hmm. i think there's a there is a level of calling even for straight singles s- similarly of like what does it look like to just that God is enough to live your singleness in such a way that that is enough. Jesus was single. Paul was single. And I say that as a single woman, I'm unmarried, you know, but like, I think there's a lesson for, for so many of us to learn within that, like that there, it can be such a richness to our life without even having that romantic love with somebody. And and yet it's so not easy to get there. It's so not easy. Right. And the world is saying the opposite. You know, the world is saying so, so much of the world and our media and society is saying the opposite. I, I just so thank you for sharing that with us. Cause it's like, for me, it's like, it's so encouraging, even as a single person, as a straight single person to hear that from you. Like I I'm just, I'm just personally so encouraged. Kat, I'd love to know too, you mentioned gender dysphoria and I think that you've, you've shared a bit about it, but I think that there's a lot that we don't understand about it. We don't, we don't really understand the psychological struggle behind gender dysphoria. And I think that we have a lot of assumptions about it. And so you've obviously gone through the depths of experiencing this. I'm, I'm curious to know a bit more about how that shows up, what it looks like. You shared a bit about that, but then what has helped you work through those different areas of gender dysphoria? Yeah. So, um, gender dysphoria is, is pretty elusive. Sometimes like we, like, um, in other people that I've talked to when I'm saying we, um, trying to describe it or bring some terms to it because it's always there. It's really difficult to put words to, cause I don't know what it's like to really feel aligned and, oh man. Um, sometimes I'll catch myself in the mirror and maybe like a feminine feature catches um, my eye and I'm just like, I don't know that person. Um, you know? And so it's to the point where you're like, Oh, that's what I look like. At the same time, I've had moments too, where I've like over masculinized, like, so I've just dressed so heavy, so masculine, so boxy, that I've looked myself in the mirror and I said, I don't know that person either. Wow. And so, um, it's, it's, it's a super, um, odd thing that it goes from, you know, either end of the spectrum. And so we get really good, uh, maybe I shouldn't generalize, but I, for me, I get really good at like pointing out the things, um, that are really feminine about me. So like my collar bone or how my fat distributes around my hips and my waist, and those are things that really can trigger 
me as well as so there's like all like the physical part but there's also sometimes like language that can be triggering when people assume because I'm female that I'm not into or don't know how to change a flat tire for mm. instance it kind of right. sounds dumb but it's like the assumption that I wouldn't know how to do that is like it triggers it's like a flare up it's friction against yeah. me of like it's a reminder like you're not really who you feel you are. Another thing is uh, opening like a jar of tomato sauce or like jelly. It, when like, you know, oh, somebody can't get it off for them not to ask me, but to ask like another male who's in the house um, and bypass me. Because the truth is I'm pretty strong and I actually really <laughs> like lifting. And yeah. that, hey. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So when they like kind of passed me over for that um, in the past, that actually feels like, oh, you don't see me. You don't see me because I really do enjoy that. I I enjoy being a strong person. Um, and to and I'm, I'm I'm a server. And so the fact that I couldn't like you've just bypassed me and like I I don't have the opportunity to serve you now because I you know you think whatever and it's stereotypes. I'm sure they don't think. Well, I just think you're weak. It's just the stereotype of like going to men for that. So those are kind of some things that. Um, that can trigger it or flare up against it or friction against, against those things. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And it can make, I, I'm uh, hearing your story and all the internal dialogues put to yourself and the, the wrestling. It's like then to see these things and have these stereotypes right in front of your face, it's like just more reminders of things that you're already working through. And so I guess a question for me and for the people listening, I think, that how can we better come alongside to a, a trans mm -hmm. individual to help be in the journey to combat gender dysphoria to just be more gracious? I because here's where I think like I think that we just the trans discussion is something we don't often talk very much about in the church. It, I think it's starting to be unearthed more in the last few years. And I think that's awesome for there to be more dialogue. But I still think it's a big area in which we're like, we don't really understand or, or people who aren't trans don't really understand Christians who aren't trans don't really understand. And so, uh, and myself included until I did some deep dives until I started having conversations and having conversations with people like you, Kat, I'm like, wow, there's so much here that I just didn't know, you know, and my heart is, is so much softer and has so much more compassion and wants to seek to understand more and wants to hear more stories and wants to recognize that this isn't just this alien issue that's out there, that it's much more common thing than even within the church. And so how can we better come alongside people in our community who are experiencing gender dysphoria? What, what would you say? Yeah, I think um, really keeping an open, I guess, open, open judgments or like assumptions, just really open. So like, like I kind of said, like not assuming that that person is into something based on their biology. And so really kind of like opening it up of like, Hey, are you into that? Because like, the truth is I'm strong. And like, I want to be opening that tomato sauce jar, but I also really want to watch the devil wears Prada, you know, like, which, whatever, chick flick, I I, I'm like all about it. Oh, it's so good. It's um, like, I used to work in so, fashion. That's like my favorite, one of my favorite movies. I love it. Yes, it is so good. Um, yeah. So like, I want to have that type of night. So it's also like not swinging to the other end of like, well, it's feminine. So therefore cat won't like it. 
it's it's having this openness of allowing and i think we can all benefit from that of just having like an openness to not assuming anybody is going to be into something based on stereotypes of like well that person seems really really feminine so they must like this this and this um so it really applies across the board but i know for me in community that's been huge of of just allowing and having people allow me to kind of fill in the gaps and asking like open-ended questions. So less assumptions, more questions, more just openness overall. I I do think some of the gender stereotypes like on a top line level are just harmful to society overall. I've, you know, like Mm -hmm. I've done even deep dives just on masculinity, for example, and my heart breaks to see the fact that like we don't see men as being strong if they are emotional or if they want to watch a chick flick. We're like, what? You're so weak or you're so soft. And I'm like, what? Like Jesus himself Mm -hmm. wept and Jesus himself was emotional. And so some of these stereotypes we put on genders overall, it's just really damaging, I think, because overall there's also so much overlap in in how we are than there is different, you know, um, in, in ways. And so I think I think we could overall benefit from that, but also especially when we're approaching the trans trans people in our life. I, I guess a, a question I have for you, Kat, and, and learning more about your story and hearing how beautifully God has just worked within your heart and soul and how you've wrestled with the Lord and your journey with Lori today as with where you're at, what do you think today that God thinks about your gender expression and your identity? I really believe that he delights in us and that he delights in me. And so that was like really groundbreaking to not even say like, yeah, 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 he loves me because he has to because he created me, but that he actually likes me. That has been, I think, the starting block. You know, the next piece is like, just because like our culture or the church isn't talking about and fill in the blank, not just trans stuff, but like really anything doesn't mean that God doesn't know about it. And I think that that was really helpful to like, in a personal journey way is that he actually knows this. He gets it. What did, what did he struggle with? Like when it says like he was tempted by everything that we're tempted with, like, what is that? What, what, what's the extent? If nothing else, like he's present with us. Mm. He's just present. So I think really trying to, to go after the character of God and, and just chase after that. Those were the things that were really helpful um, I think that I mean, currently I just, I feel like he's given me this one to like be closer with him. Like this is just, yeah, it's just, it's just been a, such a gift, honestly, to wrestle with him in this way and to find out more about his heart through this, not to mention like to hopefully be an advocate for people who are who are wrestling with gender dysphoria, with whether or not to transition, or what does God think of of trans people, LGBT people in the church? Um, I just hope that that I can reflect a piece of His heart that I've seen, mm-hmm. that He so cares, and He so loves you, and He so is not surprised by your sexuality or your your gender identity or anything that you're wrestling with. He's just not surprised. So I guess, yeah, that those are some things that I, I've taken away from, yeah, just who he is and how much, uh, how, how much he just cares about us. Mm, man, Kat, your story is so beautiful. I'm just personally so touched by you. Like as, as a person, like it's, it's gorgeous to see how God has 
has always been there in your life, but how you've come through the journey of like all the wrestling and the seasons of dating and just everything to realize like, wow, he, he is so enough. And not only like, not only is he so enough, which is already just amazing, but like he sees me and he gets me and what I'm going through is not a surprise to him. And it's not like he's doing so much in my life to bring him, to bring me even closer to him. You know, like I, I just, I love it. It's like, a, it's such a beautiful reminder of his intimacy with us. He is God with us, you know, like he is with us through every single part of what we're going through. Kat, there's just, there's so much we could go into. And I, I would love to just ask you our final question, which I ask every person, which would be, what's your final nugget of dating advice for heart of dating people today? <laughs> if you would have told me, eight years ago, 10 years ago, that I would be single in the community that I'm in or like the dependence that I have on people or the the support that I have from people. The fact that I go to bed at like 930 um, most <laughs> nights, I would just be like, that is so, I must be miserable. <laughs> um, yeah, I must be, yeah. you know, like my life's over. Uh, but <laughs> to see and to experience that actually I've like, I've never been happier. I've never been so restful and to, and to even specifically to, to correlate happy with single would have like, I mean, completely blown my mind and I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. I think to, to finally be able to get my identity in God and figure out what that means. Um, because that's, that's an elusive question and I think it, it manifests differently in all of us. But to chase after that question and to really take an inventory of what is the thing that you're holding? For me, it certainly was dating. It certainly was like having a girlfriend. Um, and so to now take that off the table, which I mean, I see myself as single uh, for an extended period of time. God can do what he wants. But, um, you know, I would only get married to a man, but knowing that like, my, my sexual orientation is not that way. I also, um, my gender expression is not that way to necessarily attract men. So what do I do? And to be honest, I look at, I look at God saying he wants to marry me. Mm. I'm not going to mm. lie. I kind of get giddy when I think <laughs> I about that oh my God. because I have a desire to be pursued. I have a yeah. desire to be, yeah. um, to be seen oh. and to be pursued in that way. And to know that he's waiting I, I kind of get chills and that has been kind of where I've tried to focus. God, I so, you know, apologize for the ways and, and the times that I haven't, but to really sit in that and to, um, to just get caught up in that moment that, that that's the only, that's the actual way that I'll ever be fulfilled. Even if I do get married on this side of heaven, like there's a, there is a marriage that I am pursuing greater. So I guess that's, that's what I would leave with. And also preaching to myself of that. That's what I would go out and do today, that I would go out and do that this week. Man, like honestly, tears are in my eyes. <laughs> you can't see me. Nobody Aww. can see me. But it's just how much God just wants us to recognize that he is the ultimate pursuer, you know, and that 
there is such deep and rich intimacy and love from our father and that he sees us and what we're wrestling through no matter what it is and that he is with us in that and that he he not only is with us he not only sees it but he cares about it you know he like deeply cares about the struggles in our in our hearts and our minds and 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 yet no matter how we stray like he still will pursue us and he like there's nothing richer than that depth of intimacy. And even if like for people listening, even if you were to get into a relationship like and get married, like that doesn't change that you need to run to the father first in everything that we do. That is your ultimate, ultimate depth of the the greatest love you will ever know that we'll ever know. We cannot be reminded of that more. And I think such a richness in knowing that as single people, most of the people listening to this podcast are single. It's like, how can we come back to that today? You know, and is that enough for us? Can, would it be enough? Is that the, can that be the question that we think about and face? Um, and if we don't feel like it is like, how can we press into that and wrestle through it? You know, mm-hmm. <sighs> Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I can blabber on and on. Kat, thank you so much for sharing your heart, your story, what you are doing in the world is powerful. I'm so, so happy and thankful that God has empowered you and given you such boldness and courage to, to step out and share your story. It's so needed. We, we need more of it. <laughs> and and it, it's just beautiful. So thank you for today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Thank you for having me. What, what a joy and a pleasure. Yeah. Hopefully this was just, I I like to say the J show, Jesus show. Um, yeah. So (laughs) thank you so much for the, for the opportunity to do the J show with you. (laughs) The J show. I love it. Like how can we just give God the glory for everything we do? I love the J show today. I love it every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you, Kat. We'll talk soon. Man, oh man, you guys, it has been an absolutely incredible last few weeks here on Heart of Dating as we dove through the LGBTQ plus community and the church. We've had discussions ranging from having a mixed orientation marriage, from dating someone who is same-sex attracted, for a gay man who fights openly for the traditionally Christian view of marriage. We've talked to a gay single Christian. We've talked to a former gay activist turned Christian evangelist and so many more. And now we finally concluded this season with an incredible two episodes on the transgender conversation. I hope you guys feel challenged. I hope this sparks some things in you. I know that many of you came to this series with hesitation, feeling hard in your hearts. And yet I'm so thankful to see how God has moved through you having just a posture of openness. So thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for sharing these episodes. It means the world. But again, it doesn't stop here. Now you can be the change in the Christian community and beyond. So I want to encourage you, keep fighting the fight. Send these podcast episodes to people you know and keep engaging in conversations boldly and compassionately. I'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.